Welcome back to another episode of Teaching with the Body and Mind. I'm here with Mike. Hey. And Tom. Hi, Joey. And Ross. Hello. Hi, you guys. Today, I wanted to talk about a concept that I learned from a friend of mine who uh, was raised by uh, Swedish parents. And I'm going to, I don't speak Swedish, but the concept is sloyd. That's the American pronunciation. I've seen the American spelling as S-L-O-Y-D, which is handcrafts, if you will. Okay. Uh, wanting to give credit where credit is due, there was a Swedish educator named Otto Solomon, who I guess was is, is considered the founder of this idea of, of Sloyd and the idea that children, that there's a connection between working with your hands and cognitive development. Mm-hmm. And I find this very interesting. I mean, we have talked about kids enjoying just you know, fidgeting and having things in their hands mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But I think this is more of the uh, making something. So sort of hands-on learning. Hands-on might be, learning, uh, but specifically, yeah, yeah. I think a very specific kind. Sure. Um, more tied to uh, maybe, again, like a, a handcraft is how I think about it. And the reason yep. I'm thinking about it is I, this, I've done this on and off over my career, but this year I've been doing some sewing with children. Yep. It started out because we were doing the... Um, you know when you put a push pin through the construction paper and you make oh, little yeah, holes yeah. and you can hold it up to the window and watch the light come through and they really enjoyed that sensation of pushing the pin through the yeah, paper. Yeah. It's very satisfying. Yep. Somehow that got me thinking like, oh, it's equally satisfying when you push the needle through the fabric. So mm-hmm. anyway, so I've been building up with a small group of kids, you know, practicing, yeah, with needle, starting with needle point and getting, now we're using real needle and real thread. And they have a desire to to actually make something, you know, it's not just goofing around. A couple of them have now succeeded at making just little, just using felt and making little pillows. And and I really think there's something to this figuring out, well, how, how will I do that? I mean, granted, I'm getting them started, but the idea of like, oh, I get it now that you have two pieces of fabric and you put some squish in the middle. And if you don't do your stitches evenly, the fluff comes out the sides Mm -hmm. and it's almost like engineering. Yeah. You know, there's problem solving involved. Mm -hmm. And then there's just that... I don't know how to, it's just that really strong sense of satisfaction then when also like, oh, I made that. You know, I mean, anybody who's done this kind of thing, I think would get like, oh, I could have bought that at the store, but I made it. So I kind of understand more intimately all the parts. Even when kids do that, like even if, so when they go see it, when they see a different pillow, even if they could still say, I could go to the store, but when they're at the store, they can say, someone made that yeah. too. So that's the other part that I think Yeah, I have a deeper understanding of what goes into yeah. making something. I mean, certainly you can, I mean, if you were, if you had all the time in the world, you could go, you know, you could go all the way back. You could, you could dye your fabric. You could, I yeah. mean, you know, there could yep. be so many steps that you could, yeah. even a young child, you could involve yeah. them in. Yeah. I mean, time is... It's interesting that we did a coat investigation Mm -hmm. several years ago. It's probably the last year I taught, actually, where I had my own classroom. And we ended up, they were learning different parts of the process. And we did dye some fabric. And we didn't end up using, or we did use some of the fabric that we dyed. We did, there's a few things. And then one of the kids was like, oh, I know how to sew. I do it with my grandma. First, Uh you need a pattern. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, whoa, because that wasn't in our, like, repertoire. And so... And then we were going to make a, we decided we were going to make a coat for a doll. So the girl just set the doll down on a tape, on a piece of paper and just traced. And so we just, that's all we need to do. So she had that understanding. So we cut out one piece and then tried to put it on the doll and realized, and she's like, no, we need two pieces that we sew together. And my favorite part though, when you're talking was, because then of course it takes time. Yeah. And we just, we were just making (laughs) one coat. And so the kids... I'll try it a little bit. And they'd already like sewed fabric on their own, but now we were like trying to sew this thing that we made from the pattern. And 
one kid spent, I don't know, like three hours one day and finished sewing the thing. Mm. And while he was doing, he was like, I learned something. This is like college. <laughs> like, and he's like, yeah. and I think he even said, like, I should be a teacher. And then, oh, that, because we call you teacher. Yeah. But this time I learned something. It was just so funny because yeah. he, like, the fact that he, you know, had yeah, sewed he, this, he connected it's it so to that learning. Right? To know where something, but also to know where something but comes But yeah, but that was, yeah, it. then a lot of kids yeah. talked about, oh, and, then I think there's and just, there's the stitches. Right. And right, even looking. Right. You know, because we would use a microscope to see the weave. Yeah. And, like, yeah. they would just look really, yeah. you know, of course, then they'd be going up to people. Like, yeah. I can see the weave on your shirt, yeah. you know, to mom. <laughs> well, and then there's also, uh, I'll let you guys talk, but there's the other thing that I think happens specifically with the handcrafts is then your hands are busy. You're doing something very satisfying, whether you're just, you know, r repeatedly stitching in and out of something or whatever. But then we're just having these little chats. You know, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like stitch and bitch. You know what I mean? It's like, right. you just sort of have this sort of natural, like intimate time while everyone's mm -hmm. very busy and focused, but then you also have these little conversations that come up because you're all yeah. busy focusing on something. Yep. I don't know. And I just wonder if you guys have any similar experiences or if this sparks yeah. any thoughts. Language joy. I, oh, was that? A, oh. I think the we'll stitch be okay. No, okay. <laughs> but I think it, it goes back even to the discussion from a few episodes ago about repetition mm -hmm. and that now that you've mastered the skill that you can do this well now i can now it becomes an enjoyable task that you know you see i remember in my early years of being at the lab school where there's a group of parents that would come and drop their children off but then they would bring their crocheting uh stuff and they would just sit and they could make things and they liked making blankets and hats mm -hmm. and booties and things like that but they could do it and the, but they were it was more about the relationships mm -hmm. and yeah, the social yeah. mm -hmm. the social part of getting together with other adults who like to do this and they were, you know, able to share and talk. And then there was a teaching aspect too, where yep. uh, the, one of the parents didn't really know it as well. They wanted to learn. So then these other family, these other parents were showing how to do that. And so I think there's, there is that satisfaction of making something. There is the competency and the, the excitement from learning this skill now to a point where you can start to do stuff. And then there's this kind of getting into the nuance of, well, yeah, same with crocheting. Now I know how to do this special kind of swoop stitch or whatever that, that I can make this pattern look so much more interesting or I can really have it be something that right. I'm even more excited about. So I think it's that continued skill. But I think it also is there's that aspect of learning taking place in the mind where children are now having a better understanding of, in a sense, the kind of the fine tuning of the fine motor, which gives you more skill it's in almost, other areas. It's making me think of like, well, why do I need to learn this math? When am I ever going to use it in my life, right? Like, you right. know, if you're just cutting with scissors, it's not really like a great life skill to just yeah. cut with scissors. But like, oh, I got really good at cutting with scissors. Now I can cut the pattern right. out or I can right, cut the fabric. Right. I mean, like you can cut, it's almost like these, these little handcrafts. It's like you can put all these things together, all these other skills that you right. might have. Right, right, Oh, now here's why I need them. It's so yeah, I can yeah, right. use my hands in a effective, effective right. way. Well, in the, in the generalization of that skill to other areas that, you know, being able to cut with scissors, well, then I have more, you know, control and dexterity to, well, you know, for children that are using scissors, well, then tying shoes becomes right. it. And then that, right. your sense of autonomy is growing yeah. and, mm -hmm. you know, writing, being able to write your name and writing letters. And then, well, maybe you start doing kind of cursive calligraphy stuff. And then you start getting into art and seeing, you know, friends of mine who are professional artists, it's what they do is they make and draw pictures Right. And they're really good. And I just watch and I go, all you're doing 
is making a bunch of little lines. Mechanically, I should be able to do that too. <laughs> right. But you have it to a point where your mind and your, your hand and your eyes are all working together to make this really amazing and detailed piece of art. Right. And I try to do it and I just can't, I, my, I have that disconnect. So I'm kind of in awe of what they can do. But there's that depth of just because you've done it and you've done it and you've done it, you now have that deeper understanding of mm-hmm. what this could be. And I think it's just fascinating to watch how that can kind of grow. I, you know, I, I, I can't help but think that the, the hands and the mind are connected. That's what, that's mean, what like this Otto Solomon guy was, was very much it, thinking, it, yes. It, it, I mean, specifically, the hands have areas in your brain Absolutely. That, right. are, that, that, that are connected to each of the digits, to the palm, to whatever. Yeah. So as you work with those, you're actually working with your brain, which is what you were saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although, although yeah. when you're talking about somebody who can do things better than you, can drop which is rare i mean there's there's a there's there's things he's bringing or she's bringing right her experience her actual physical experience with the hands with the mind with Mm -hmm. the with the perception that are somehow coming together in such a way that that you're in awe of i'm in awe of and that was the i knew there was a threat i was like i know i'm forgetting to say something and it's this idea that especially for children who are getting that ability to craft well, now, like the symbolic representation yes. and the word, like the depth of their understanding now grows deeper because my hand and my eyes and my mind, they're all working together. But now I can take that picture in my mind. Mm-hmm. What does a watermelon look like? Oh, yeah, a watermelon, you know, when it's the slice, it looks like this. It's a half, half circle and it has another half circle inside of it. And then there's these little round ovals in there for the seeds. But now you're translating your mind is being able to you in order to do that you've got to have the understanding of what it is but then you have to be in order to know what it is your body has to then try to replicate it using your hands right. and so, but it, so just, it involves working memory it, it involves right. visualization well and planning like let's planning. say you can make that watermelon out of paper right yep. okay well i've got you know I, I i want to make sure that the pink part on the inside is going to be the same size as the green part that i'm doing right. for the rind so I've got to right. hold that in mind too. That I'm not just making like a giant rind and a tiny pink part. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, there's a there's, but yeah, if your hand if your hands aren't doing it, I think the, if you, the absence of your hands doing it, as we've talked about, yeah, you know, again through all probably all the episodes have have <laughs> yeah. this point to it. That there's you, a certain repetition to <laughs> this exactly. <laughs> that your body has to be in motion to make sense of this. Yeah, children developing these skills these understandings of different concepts you know different nouns you know all the different things they can be interacting with if you're not touching see and feeling and moving and manipulating i would your brain's not going to have as deep and as real of an understanding of what it is or what it can be because yeah if you've never felt and held a watermelon before it might be harder to really represent it with paper or drawing and then if you've never drawn or sculpted it it's probably going to be even harder to make it into a pillow. Or when you look at the instructions for something, whether it be a sewing pattern or some like kit furniture you have to assemble, you can look at all the pictures, you know, of yeah, the yeah. various screws and bolts. Yep. But until you actually pick up the screw and try to put it in the hole that you think is the right, right slot right. A, oh, yeah. it's the physical thing right. that, oh, wait, that's what they meant by yeah. when they said flat side. Because right. you're just reading it, you're like, what? Right. what the devil are they talking? You know, so yeah, it's once you encounter the physical world, the understanding, yeah. like when you, oh, the coat, 
has to have two sides to fit on the doll. Once right. coats don't just have yeah. one side. This is making me think of origami too, uh-huh. right? So that there's, and so I can't speak to this too well, but I, I have a friend who um, used to teach in Japan and he would talk about the way origami was considered really important for teaching math. And part of the reason was the physical, that you're physically moving. Yeah. The pieces but it was also important that the idea was that you have one square no matter what you end up with at the end it's one square and everything else is sort of part to whole like, like yeah. math concepts yeah. of you can do all these different things and there's really only a few there's like three folds that are basically used and then there's a few others but pretty much you kind of do the same folds over and over and sometimes you repeat them on both sides sometimes it's only on one side there's some basic folds and everything else mm-hmm. follows these few basic ideas people who do origami start to Think see it they yeah. can see they three steps it. away yeah, yeah. They visualize right. oh, it. here i am i wanted to make this what do i do and they don't have to remember each step necessarily they right. see the three steps yeah. to get to that next you know mm-hmm. the Thing. And there's something about being able to visualize each part of it that only happens because you're physically doing it. It's not talking about... Again, that would be the most boring conversation. Yeah, I crease it the corner to corner, right. and then I crease it the other way corner to corner, but then yeah. I just fold into the halfway mark. You know, like, yeah, it doesn't matter. But doing it, you're like, right. oh, I see how yeah. it works. Yeah. So I, ha- uh, uh, I have a book at home. And if I knew we were going to talk about this topic, I would have brought it. I, I think the name of the book was The Hand Has a Mind of Its Own. And it was about uh, th- this fellow has a theory that the the hand and the mind uh, evolved together. You couldn't mm-hmm. have one oh, without yeah. the other. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty it was pretty fascinating. I, I mean, I, and I know there are people who don't have hands, and I know that they're, they can get through life. But it but but at the same time, imagine. For those of us who do have hands, not having them. I mean, right. it's like, it, it, I mean, you, it's a, I mean, and I'm using them right now just to yes, say nothing, to, just waving them in the air. You have to relearn a lot, right? Right. Yeah. Well, because you think it, you think we're it all would doing be, this. Yes, yes. Yes. You, would, you yeah. think it would be impossible to tr- be able to brush your teeth, write a check, cut your child's hair using your feet. But I remember the, watching the video <laughs> of the woman who had who was born with no right. arms, who right. did all these things as if she was right. doing it with but her hands. But I would hands. bet go, to go to Tom's book, I bet it maps onto the same part of the brain. That's right. where I was. I, that was my question. Was we t- we're talking all that Sloyd is specifically to... hands? Yeah. But we also know the importance yeah. of feet, and that's a, maybe a discussion yeah. for another but, day because I think how shoes are always mandatory. Uh-huh. You can never be barefoot. Yeah. So like, well, we don't ask children to wear mittens and gloves all the time. So how much information are we depriving children of if we're only making them stay in these little contain, you know, oh. sensory containers? I know. All right, I'll leave, I'll that leave on that. I'll leave on yeah. that. Too. I am going to say one thing though, because I'm also remembering there's a recent study about um, for blind people having physical maps that they can feel. Right. They can visualize. Uh, not everybody, I'm sure, but it usually helps people visualize where they're going. Where sure. they do learn things in a way that people with sight, in a different way than people with sight, right? Yep. In general. But that feeling with their hands, a map, can really help. Mm-hmm. So that's not, and it still helps with the same um, spatial pattern, even though they never see the spatial pattern. Right. Um, it still affects the same part of the brain. So it just, I don't know. Something's going on there. Something's going on, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> We're all using our hands. We are. We are. We are. We are. If well, you could see us, it was dude, like, it's I, I, like, oh my goodness. I, I'm glad you guys, I, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by the, the, by the power of just the, the simple handcraft. So I appreciate you guys uh, giving it the serious yes. consideration that we did. So yeah. Thanks, Joey. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks so much. a lot, Joey. Thanks, Joey. Thank you for listening to Teaching with the Body and Bond. We'll be back again next week with another episode. Music is by Big Wheel Popcorn.